We're starting a new sermon series today, and I've never preached through the book of uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews, and uh, we're going to do that for the next several, several weeks. Could even take us to Thanksgiving. Um, we, I was riding, uh, we were riding in a truck uh, going somewhere this week, and who, I, I don't know if, if we, who was with me and who I was talking to. I guess it might have been Jeff, because he was with me a lot this week, and we were talking about the big red machine. Now, Jack, you know who the big red machine is? You do not. And uh, he's a Hoosier by blood, isn't he, Justin? Yes, yes, he is. Well, the big red machine in the 70s won more baseball games than any other uh, team did in the 1970s. Went to four World Series, won two World Series titles in 75 and 76, beat the Yankees and swept the Dodgers. Beat the, excuse me, beat the Red Sox and swept the Yankees and arguably were just um, arguably could have been the best team ever put together and so we were talking about that team and um, who are the big red machine oh well they had Tony Perez at first had Joe Morgan at second had Dave Concepcion at third had Pete Rose at third had Johnny Bench behind the plate nope nobody could pitch they had uh they had George Foster at third. They had Cesar Geronimo in, in uh, center field, and they had King Griffey in right. They were the Cincinnati Reds of the 70s. And um, we were talking about that four of those, three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Four of them should be in the Hall of Fame. Pete had messed up. Uh, and Concepcion is always pretty close to being in the Hall of Fame. And even the guys that did make the Hall of Fame were pretty good baseball players. Uh, George Foster was a pretty, pretty fair player. And uh, King Griffey is a pretty fair player. And so we were talking about how good the Reds were back then and uh, how many were in the Hall of Fame. And, and, and uh, God has a Hall of Fame, and it's in Hebrews chapter 11. The Hall of Fame for baseball players are baseball players that were better than any other baseball players. But I, I don't think God looks down at us and says, well, he's a better Christian than she is, and she's a better Christian than he is. I don't think God looks that way. But God does have some people that he points out did some things by faith and uh it has been commonly known for i'm sure uh, centuries now uh, hebrews 11 has been called the hall of fame of faith because it says by faith noah did this and by faith joshua did this and by faith gideon did this and so forth and so on and so i'm going to talk through the hall of fame of faith and as I was preparing for this, I was wondering in our own lives, how many things happen by faith? You know, I can, I, can, I can accomplish a lot of things on my own, let's just be honest. And all of us, by our flesh, we can accomplish a lot of things on our own. I mean, how many things in our life are accomplished by faith that we totally rely on God to do that? And those are really risky things, usually. Those are things that take courage. Those are things that couldn't be done any other way. But those are things that please God because the Bible says God's not pleased if you stop drinking, stop chewing, or stop smoking. He's pleased by faith. Now, you know, I don't necessarily think he wants you to smoke and chew and go with girls that do and all that kind of stuff. But he, he compliments people when they act on faith. Now, there's a whole lot of moral things that God wants us to do and not do, and that's, there, that's in Scripture for us. But when he lists what we understand to be the Hall of Fame of faith, it's people who acted on faith it's people who acted on faith so I, I've been convicted in my own life of I thought this week now how many things can I look back on my life and say they were done by faith 
the only thing I can look back on and say, man, I couldn't have done that if it, unless it was done by faith. I couldn't come up with a whole lot. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm smart enough, been to seminary, I know how to put a sermon together. I'm not sure I put a sermon together by faith. Um, a lot of stuff I've, I've been ministering now 26 years, I've learned how to lead a church. I'm not sure how much of that is by faith or not. So I've been a little convicted this week on how much of my life is literally by faith. I came to this church by faith because some of you know the story. I didn't want to come to this church. I, I, I resisted with all my might of coming to this church. Uh, when this church called me and I was in the throes of that decision, Sue found me at 4 o'clock in the morning on, face down in our bedroom crying, saying, I don't want to go. And... And uh, I didn't want to come because I knew if it was going to come, I was going to have closed Christian school. I mean, that was apparent to me from an outsider looking in that that had to be closed. We couldn't afford that anymore. I knew we were going to have to close the daycare, and I was going to have to lead them. I was going to be the pastor that closed the school and closed the daycare. How do I like that for my legacy? And that was the biggest ministry this, these churches had at that point, this church had at that point. But I knew God was opening a door. I could not doubt that God was opening a door through this. So kicking and screaming, I came here by faith. And obviously it was, you know, best decision that I've ever made in ministry. I, I've not made all good decisions in ministry, but this was a good one that I made. And I stepped out totally in faith, not wanting to come at all. In fact, I called the district superintendent before they took the vote. And I said, take my name out. And he said, no, I'm not going to take your name out. He says, if you want to turn it down, you can turn it down. But I'm not going to take your name out. Uh, so I came here by faith. Came here by faith. There's another story back earlier in, in my life, and I was a brand new Christian, and I was in between teaching positions, and the story is long and winding and full of some poor decisions on my part, but I had left a teaching position right in the middle of the year, and and I didn't know who was going to hire me for another one because I run out on a job right in the middle of the year. What kind of principal is going to hire you, you know? And, and so I remember telling God, I said, God, I don't know who's going to hire me, so I pray you lead me right to the place you want me to go because the first job, I don't think I can turn anybody down because who's going to hire a guy that when they check out my reference on the last position I had, I just, I just left in the middle of the year. And I said, Lord, that first position that I get offered, I feel like i got to take because I don't think I could turn anything down you lord will you make that very first position the one i i need and so the first school off me a job was in sterling illinois and I, I i accepted it i'm driving back from sterling illinois and to kentucky where i was living at that time and you know i got a phone call from scott county high school in georgetown kentucky and they wanted to interview me basketball coach and assistant basketball coach and math teacher and so uh, I just told Sterling, Illinois, I'd be there in August. And, uh, but I went for that interview. I sure did. And they offered me a job. And so after they offered me a job, I went to McDonald's at exit 125 in Georgetown. If you're heading south on 75, you look at exit 125, look up to the left, you see a McDonald's right there. And I sit right there at that McDonald's and weighed out the pros and cons. 
Sterling, Illinois, 500 miles away from home, didn't know anybody up there, been there a day and a half of my whole life. Tom Gerke was the principal, and was the only one I knew up there. Georgetown, Kentucky, 12 miles from home, comfort zone, been raised here all my life. But, but God seemed to say to me, not in an audible voice, God seemed to say to me, Mark, you asked me to lead you. Yeah, God, but, you know, this over here makes a lot of sense to me. Mark, you asked me to lead you. But, but not even counting, I'd already given Tom Gerke my word. That's a Christian thing in and of itself. But, and right there somewhere between a quarter pounder and a french fry, I decided to go all the way with God. I said, God, I'm going to trust you that you, you led me to Sterling, Illinois. And I could spend the rest of this sermon telling you why Sterling, Illinois was the exact right place for me for the next two years of my life. That's where I met a little girl named Sue Ewing. First place I ever stepped in Nazarene Church was Sterling, Illinois. I met Kim Smith, the guy that preached a revival for seven years ago, mentored me in ministry. Knew I was called to ministry before I was knew I was called to ministry. I could go on and on while for the next two years this place that I'd never been to didn't make any sense in my own right to go to was the exact right place for me. By faith. Didn't make any sense. Lean not on your own understanding. God's ways are not our ways. By faith. By faith, we overcome temptation. By faith, we overcome sin. By faith, we say no to this boyfriend or this girlfriend and wait for the Christian person that God brings us to us. By faith, we give. Some of you give so much money, it doesn't make any financial sense at all. I mean, we're talking to a financial counselor one time, and they saw the amount of money we gave, and he's, on, that, on your income? By faith. So Hebrews 11 starts with the definition of faith. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is not this vague thing. It's just not this thing, ethereal thing that's sitting up in the sky some way. Well, I got faith in that or faith in this. No, this, this verse says faith is assurance and confidence. Faith is assurance and faith is confidence. This faith is not a not a hope so thing. It's a confidence that, that God has given you about what we do not see. Elsewhere in the Bible says we walk by faith. We do not walk by sight. It takes no faith for me to, to step off this platform because I see these two steps right here. But much of it, I didn't see what was ahead of me in Sterling, Illinois. Now, if I knew that in Sterling, Illinois, there was going to be Sue Ewing. There was going to be all this other stuff. It wouldn't have taken any faith to go to Sterling, to go to Sterling Illinois. But see, I couldn't see that. We walk by faith. We do not walk by sight. It's confidence and assurance of what we do not see. Confidence that I didn't know what was ahead for me in Sterling, Illinois, but I knew God had opened that door and that God had gone before me. So I kind of turned this around and put faith in my own words and I've, I've kind of defined it this way and it's pretty egotistical to think I got a better definition than a biblical definition right but here's my definition faith is being persuaded to believe God after all come on y'all got to get this now believing in God 
don't make any difference. The Bible says the devils believe in God. It's believing him. Take the in out of it. 90 plus percent of the people in the world believe in God. Jeff and I riding around listening to country music because that's all the stations are in Jackson, Kentucky. And, and we, we listen to songs and we get laughing. They're talking about going to church and believing God in the same song. They're talking about going out with women and, and sleeping with women and getting drunk and going to bars. And so a lot of people have a belief in God, but they don't believe him. They don't take him at his word. It makes all the difference in the Christian life. God told Abraham that you're going to have a son in your old age. And even though his wife was barren, God said, you know, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a son in your old age. And the Bible says in 15, 6 of Genesis that Abram believed God and God counted that as righteousness. Abram didn't believe in God. Devils believe in God, James 2, 14. Big deal. Big deal. It's not believing in God. It's like I heard somebody this week, they were, they were talking about their son. Their son is gay and, you know, they said their son's... Their gay son who was raised in church, raised in a Christian family, said, well, well, Jesus loves everybody. Come on, friends, get this. You're not saved because of the love of Jesus. Jesus, People that die and go to hell today, Jesus loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever shall gave, that's grace, Believe, that's faith. Grace through faith. Let's say by the love of God. God loves everybody. God loves me. Well, do you believe him and take him at his word? That's a heaven or hell thing right there. It's not just that God loves me. We take him at his word. We believe him. Not just mainly believe in him. It's assurance and it's confidence faith is not this thing that's only a christian concept we need faith in a lot of whole areas of of your life you've exercised a lot of faith in just secular things in your life this next quote i have is from a german physicist and he said this there have been no great accomplishments in history without faith he's talking about secular faith the architect must see the building before it's built He's got to see it in his head. He's got to draw it on a sheet of paper. It's not built. He can't see it, but he can see it. You know what I mean? He can't see it, but he can see it. And the only way he can see it is by faith. Now, that's not faith in God. That's faith in construction. That's faith in my ability to raise the money. He must believe it can be done. The Olympic athlete must believe they can achieve before they actually do it. If you, if you, if you don't think you can run a four-minute mile, you won't. If you don't see yourself running that four-minute mile, you won't. That's why it's so important for your kids to get in the backyard with that basketball and be winning, be shooting last-second shots and winning the state championship in their driveway. That's crucial because they got to see themselves doing it before they ever do it themselves. You've got to dream it. You've got to see it. It was faith that, called the Apollo, uh, that caused the Apollo scientists to believe that they could put a man on the moon. Not faith in God, faith in what they've learned through science, faith in their own brains, faith in the, what they could build. Never, nobody ever done that before. My, my grandmother died thinking they never did that. That was all a hoax on TV, she said. That, 
Someone has to believe it before you see it. That's German nuclear physicist Bernard von Braun. Whether you start a business or you have kids, you got to see it. You've got to be able to taste it and see it. It's faith. Not Christian faith, but it, Christian's the same thing. You, 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 have to, you have to be able to know that it's true even though you've never seen it. And how do you know it's true? Is it just faith in faith? That's not very intelligent. I have faith in faith. You know, I've got faith that I can run a four-minute mile, but I've never run anything less than a ten-minute mile. That's stupid. I mean, that, I mean, it's just not faith in faith. Romans 10, 17, 10, 17 of Romans says, We have faith because we've heard the message. And I'll, I'll add on to that and don't damage the word any because you read the message as well faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the through the word about christ well what about people that they've never heard that's never heard what about those little african tribes somewhere that's never heard the gospel of jesus they've never had a missionary be able to reach them well, you know, the Bible addresses those people. Romans 1.20 says this. Read this carefully. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So that means we can look up into the stars and look up into the heavens and we can wonder why the moon doesn't fall out of the sky and wonder why the sun doesn't come down and burn us all up. And because of that miracle of nature, the Bible says people are without excuse. Now, they've never heard the gospel of Christ. They've never had this kind of revelation. They taught me in seminary there is natural revelation, that's creation, and there's special revelation, that's the word of God. But this verse tells us that if that little African who's never heard the word of God has got enough sense to look up into the sky and say there has to be somebody that did that. And when that person dies and stands before God, they're judged on the light that they had. You see, faith depends on the revelation of God. That's really, really important. Faith depends on the revelation of God. Next slide there, Eric. God has revealed and God has revealed. And because of the revelation that you see when you walk out today, the revelation that you see when you look at someone else, someone else and realize this body just couldn't have been, a, uh, the, the miracle of this human body just couldn't have been uh, a composite of a big bang somewhere, that this, this is a designer, there's revelation. God has revealed that. And because of those different types of revelation, nature, natural revelation, and special revelation God says men are without excuse. So we get faith by revelation. When we talk about special revelation, John chapter 20, at the end of John 20, 
These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What was the purpose, at least in John's mind? What was the person, purpose as John was writing that? That you may believe and have life in his name. Faith comes by revelation of God. Special revelation and natural revelation as we look to the heavens. Lots of things we can't answer. Faith is not, the, uh, doubt is not, the, op- is, is not uh, the opposite of faith. Certainty is the opposite of faith. Doubt is a part of faith. Really is. Took me 10 years to come to that. I don't expect you to get it right now. But. Certainty is the opposite of faith. Doubt's not the opposite of faith. You got a brain. You're going to ask some questions. Levi's 17 going on 57, and, and he starts asking me some questions. And because Levi's got a good brain, they're pretty good questions. You know what my answer to some of them is? Some of those questions are? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? That's the most intelligent answer you can give. And so he's asking me last night about suicide. What's God do with people who commit suicide? I don't know. Boy, somebody take me a task on Facebook on that one time. When I said, I, don't, I, don't, I was preaching, didn't know what God did with people who commit suicide. He said, well, they go straight to heaven. I said, well, I hope they do, but I'm not, I, just, I, don't have, I don't have authority in Scripture and verse to say that. Well, what if they're mentally insane? I, I said, I, I believe God takes care of people that are mentally insane. But also, no, I don't want to stand before God right after I put a gun to my head, which means I'm saying there's no hope for me in life anymore and nobody can help me, so I have to take matters in my own hands. I don't want to stand before God and say that. Because I'm basically saying you couldn't help me. Now, are some people that commit suicide mentally unstable, at least at that moment? Of course. I've told you, I had a lady call me at 2 o'clock in the morning in Georgia, meet her at the Waffle House. She wanted to know what happens to people who commit suicide. That's because she was thinking about suicide. Now, I answered her differently because she was thinking about suicide. I said, they go straight to hell. <laughs> But you know what I said to Levi? I said, Levi, don't get bogged down in all these questions. There's more questions than you can shake a stick at. You know what the Bible, my Bible tells me? The God of all the world will do right. The God of all the world will do right. He'll decide what to do with people that commit suicide. He'll decide what to do with people who never heard the gospel of Christ. You know, whatever he decides, it's right. Well, I just don't know if that's fair. Who are you to say what's fair or not? The God of all the world will do right. And I don't worry about it. I just stopped asking those. At my age, I I used to ask them too. I just don't don't worry about them anymore. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. Now, when we get to talking about people in the Hall of Fame of Faith, it says, by faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did this. And the first one we hear about is Abel. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. 
by faith, Abel brought. And that's what you're going to see all the way through Hebrews 11. It's going to say, by faith, and then somebody's name, and then a verb. And then a verb. Their faith made them do something. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Noah built. Never heard the word rain before. Never was such a thing as rain. The water was, the ground was watered by, by some kind of springs underneath the ground, the Bible says, that, that, that kept the ground watered. But God said it was going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. Never heard of water before. But by faith, Noah built an ark. So all the way through Hebrews chapter 11 says our faith makes us do something. And that's a, that's a huge, huge point that I can just preach that and preach alone. By faith, mark, then a verb. By faith, Justin, then a verb. By faith, Karen, then a verb. What in your life happens by faith that's convicted me this week because I'm a control freak like the most rest of you are and I can like get control of things and handle things and make sure I understand everything what is happening in my life that is only attributed to faith by faith mark than a verb And so 11.4 says, by faith, Abel. Cain and Abel were story in the fourth chapter of Genesis. Sons of Adam and Eve. It says, my faith, Abel, brought God a better offering than Cain did. But why? I'm going to be honest with you. We don't know. We've got all kinds of biblical scholars that can speculate. And I can sit up here and speculate too. But we don't know what made Abel's offering better. We don't. There's all kinds of speculation. I've read all about that, and, and none of them convinced me. If somebody tells you why that, that they know why Abel's offering was better, don't believe them. They don't. They may speculate on it, and it could be a good and godly speculation. By faith, this is the second time by faith comes up in one verse. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. Why did he speak well of his offering? We don't know. And by faith, three times in one verse. By faith, Abel still speaks. He's speaking today, 2022. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Three times in one verse, you have that phrase, by faith. The, the, the writer was emphasizing something, had to be. Now, when you go back to the Genesis account, this is what we read in Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel are sons of Adam and Eve. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. So I've, there's some people say, well, see, he brought a blood offering, and so that was why. Well, maybe, but there's plenty of places in the Old Testament they brought grain offerings too. So they brought, they brought two different offerings. And the Bible says the Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering. 
Verse 5 says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? It doesn't say. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Verse 7 says, God spoke and says, verse 7, next screen here. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted, God says to Cain? So there was something he didn't do right. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, let's go back. When we go back to Hebrews, we see in that one verse, Hebrews 11:4, by faith, by faith, by faith. There's a great distinction that the Hebrew writer puts on this offering. It was by faith one time. It was by faith two times. It was by faith three times. In one verse, the phrase by faith comes up. So I think it's logical to assume that his was by faith and somehow Cain's was not, but we don't know how. Now, Cain is mentioned in the book of Jude as well. Jude is a little book that's got one chapter in it. And in Jude... 11 and that's what you say when you talk about jude you don't say chapter 1 verse 11 because there's only one one chapter you say jude 11 because there's this it's the 11th verse of jude and that's only one chapter it says woe to them they have taken the way of cain and the whole book of jude is about false prophets that are teaching false doctrine and teaching people other things than what has been revealed to them by god so the best I can possibly do was speculating as, as, as little as I can possibly speculate. I got this one verse that mentions the phrase by faith three times. I got these other verses that say God did not look good on Cain's offering. But in, the Hebrew writer says Cain's offering was by faith. Uh, Abel's offering was by faith, by faith, by faith. So the easiest assumption is to mean that somehow that Cain's offering was not by faith. What does that mean, Mark? I don't know. What kind of offering you bring, not by faith? Well, maybe we do know. Some people trying to approach God other ways than by faith. You know, some people just come to church. Do you know church will damn you to hell? Do you know that? Don't you just come to church, that's all you do, just come to church. It'll damn you to hell. You get a little, you get a little church anity, it'll send you straight to hell. Ye must be born again. And the church won't get you born again. The church may, may speak the message that you then eternalize and receive and accept by faith. The church doesn't have any power to get you born again. And you get a little, well, I think I'll clean my life up and start going to church. Well, good for you. That's a good thing to do. But it'll damn you in hell if that's all you do. Got to come to God by faith. Can't come to God through church, cleaning yourself up a little bit, giving a little money, teaching in Sunday school. That's a really good thing. But unless it's done by faith, if, you, if you're doing it so people will pat you on the back, I wonder how many pastors have been called into the ministry just so somebody can stand up here and look at them and pass them on the back. I wonder how many pastors have been called into ministry, the wife called them into ministry. By faith. By faith. 
So with as little speculation as I can probably get, because God doesn't say on what Cain's, what the problem with Cain's offering is. The little speculation I can possibly make on this is the way of Cain refers to any individual who attempts to approach God on his own terms rather than on God's terms. God's terms are by faith. By faith, by faith, three times, one verse. By faith is what Abel did. By faith is what Abel did. By faith is what Abel did. God didn't look on Cain's offering with favor, but he looked on Abel's offering with favor. By faith, by faith, by faith. I mean, people try to get to God without faith. They give a little money, they start coming to church, they stop smoking, stop drinking, stop going out and running around with women just clean up their life a little bit that's all well and good good for them but it'll send you to hell because it's called self-righteousness and Isaiah says listen to this I've told you before self-righteousness are filthy rags in the book of Isaiah the Hebrew for filthy rags are menstrual rags it's the rags of a woman's monthly uncleanness that's what Isaiah thought of self-righteousness righteousness that's how dirty he thought of self-righteousness righteousness comes through faith Hebrews uh, Romans chapter 4 only through faith only through faith I believe that God gave me a gift a free gift and I believe that God gave me that and I reach out and I accept it by faith. But people want to come on their own terms. Some people want to come through denominations. It's our church. We have the way. Some people say it's our way. It's our way. It's got to be one of us. Some people want to come through the water. As good as baptism is, if it's not preceded by faith and a genuine heart and trust, you're just getting wet in there. That's all you're doing. Some people think you have to be a Catholic. Some people think you have to be Jewish. You can be Catholic, but you better have faith. You can be Jewish, but you better have faith. You can give a million dollars to a church, but you better have faith. You better be giving that out of faith. Not so somebody pats you on the back, put your little nameplate on something. People try to come to God in their own terms in a whole lot of different ways. You can come up with more than I. The way of Cain is trying to come to God your own way. And God has said it's got to come by faith. And a lot of people try to come other ways than by faith. John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. Oh, Mark, that's, that's, um, that's intolerant. That's bigoted. I'm as bigoted as this Bible is bigoted. I'm as narrow as this Bible is narrow. Jesus said it's a narrow way, and few will find it. It's narrow but it's broad enough to carry everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. So, have you come to God 
on his terms? Or have you come up with the terms? Acts 4.12 maybe. There is one God and there is man and there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Now, the gospel is such that uh, it is proclaimed like it is this morning and then you make your choice and you can reject it if you choose. You can reject it. But you can't ignore it. And if you don't choose to accept it today, if you don't choose to accept it, you just kind of, well, I'll do that sometimes later. It's the same as rejection. Because we just lost Mark and Karen, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. So you got a chance today to drop any righteousness of your own. to drop any righteousness of your own and come to God the only way you can. And that's by believing him, taking him at his word when he says he provided a savior, that he loved you so much that he gave. That's grace. And whosoever shall believe, that's faith, shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's terms. Have you met those conditions? Or are you on the way of Cain? Whatever that means, it means not coming by faith. Our servers are coming to the table, and one of the reasons that we receive communion every single Sunday is to remind us of the way that God has deemed appropriate. God could, God have, could have deemed any way appropriate. Could have, could, I mean, he could have said, you've got to have freckles to go to heaven. I mean, he, he could have said anything he wanted to because he's God. But he has said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Well, why did he do that? That's kind of weird. You, you, you all, I've heard people say, you all got a butcher shop religion. Well, that's what it says. What am I going to put faith in? Am I going to put faith in what has been revealed or am I just going to put faith in faith or faith in my brain thinking that butcher shop religion? These are God's terms. The death of his son. And we remember that every Sunday by partaking of a symbol of his body and a symbol of his blood. Father God, this is the age-old message that's been preached for 2,000 years and it'll be preached for 2,000 more if you decide not to bring your son in that time frame but Lord I just pray that no one in this room leaves this place here today without wrestling with this truth maybe they'll reject it but at least they've pondered it they've thought about it and they've tried to see are they coming on your terms? Are they coming on their own terms? Convict those who are coming on their own terms. Convict those 
who are in the way of Cain. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables and our altars are open. You receive now however you choose.